Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. All right, well, I am joined today by two Christ Covenant greats, Brad Smith, uh, who's an elder here, and of course, John Posey, who heads up the Center for Faith and Work. Um, one of the reasons I invited both of you is I want to talk a little bit about kind of what is happening in the faith and work space at Christ Covenant. I think it really relates to this idea of being useful in Babylon uh, that we talked about Sunday as we looked at the life of Joseph. Um, John, I mean, give, give us a quick update, John, about, I know that there's things that you want to talk about in upcoming members meetings, and there's a lot to update the church on, but but help us understand like what, what we're trying to do in this, in this space. Yeah, so one, it's glad to be here. Glad to be here. I've been really enjoying the, uh, the series, of course. And um, we need to help our believers to develop a framework to, for them to, to, have, to have clarity on how to live out their faith. You know, what does it mean to be in the world and not of the world? What, what does it mean to, uh, to be in a position where God has assigned you in a space there and for you to use the gifts and talents and abilities he's given you to steward the, the, the garden, so to speak, that he's given you so that lives are flourishing and people are flourishing, meeting needs, serving others. And so we, we've been working on this, just like we have a covenant wheel, we've been working on this, uh, this faith and work wheel. Um, what, is it look, what, what are the key components? Brad and, and, and all of us have been working together around this, and it's pretty exciting of uh, what the Lord is doing. It's going to really help mm-hmm. kind of put teeth into what it really means to be this, um, this kingdom ambassador mm-hmm. in the workplace. Anything to add, Brad? Just that I was just thinking of the, as he was talking, as John was talking, just the idea of being a disciple of Jesus. Like mm. sometimes we think that discipleship is happening kind of in a classroom, learning theology and how to go. And, and that's true. We need that. But like Jesus makes disciples actually out on the streets, you know, in the nitty gritty, like I'm thinking in the workplace, you know, that's the one place where think about all you go through in a workplace. You're, you're working alongside many of us, people that aren't believers You've got like broken systems. Things don't always work right. There's deadlines. There's stress. There's all these things. And so it's like, how do we tr- learn to trust God and, and uh, make a difference? As he Because really the way God works and makes the world operate is through people. It's like Luther is that phrase, like the mass of God. Like we're all, he's, he's getting his work done through people. Mm-hmm. And so how do we teach, how do we ourselves and how do we teach our, our people to, that discipleship happens on the ground, trusting right. God in the throes of how he's making the world work. Like, Well, and it's part of our worship too. I mean, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. a phrase that we've been tossing yeah. around. Like, um, I think that 
and again, I, I want to be careful how I say this because mm-hmm. we obviously believe in personal evangelism. It's one of our rhythms. Um, and of course we believe that faith comes by hearing. Um, and so the means by which someone comes to know the Lord is, is only by hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. However, the, the means by which we worship the Lord is not just by evangelism. Right. Absolutely. And so as that relates to work, I think there's a part of, there's a part of our work where we think, okay, through work, um, I can build friendships and relationships and maybe God will open the door for me to have a disciple making evangelistic relationship. But that's not the only reason that God actually sends us out into the workplace. Um, one of the reasons God sends us into the workplace. And again, this is, I think something that's a little more natural for people to understand is that it's through work that God provides for us, right? He, he, we can provide for our families Mm -hmm. as we, as we work. Uh, uh, And that's obviously been true since the beginning of time. I mean, even Adam, ate because he tended in a successful garden, right? Yes. Um, mm. But it's also through work that we're really doing more. I mean, w- one of those things, and we talked about this a lot on on Sunday, is that we bring about this idea of cultivation. Yes. And this happens in professional work. I think that maybe, you know, John and, and Brad obviously spend a little more time thinking about in terms of our center of faith and work. But it also happens in all kinds of different work. Uh, the work of... I mean, I am cultivating um, my relationship with my children mm-hmm. when I take them to school in the morning. The things we talk about, how we pray together, how we walk across school, how I greet people when we walk across the school, um, how I teach them not to run out into traffic. But wait for, I mean, all of that is part of like the work that I have as a dad to cultivate mm-hmm. um, a you know, a flourishing, and I would even say like God honoring life in my children. And that is actually a part of my worship. And you could say, we don't have to be a Christian to obey traffic laws. And I would say, well, of course not. But even, you know, order reflects God, who is a God of order and thus brings glory to God. God is receiving glory, not just through Christians. I mean, obviously the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and that now, the skies proclaim his hand, handiwork. The rivers clap their hands. And so, yes, of course, we, we believe that the, the most profound and, and personal way to bring glory to God is to know him through relationship with Jesus. And so I, I want to be very careful in this conversation because I don't want people to misinterpret. We're not trying to undersell the, the saving work of Jesus at all here. I think what we're saying is the saving work of Jesus calls you to a life of worship where it's not just the worship service that is sanctified and redeemed in your life. It's not just when you're reading your Bible that's a sanctified and redeemed part of your life, or when you're talking to a Christian friend about Jesus that's a sanctified and redeemed part of your life. But everything you do, from the way you brush your teeth, to the way you cook dinner, to the way that uh, you work as an accountant, or work as a farmer, or work as a a lumberjack or whatever you do, work as a teacher, everything is everything is reflective and has this great potential and it is a part of our worship of the living God. And mm-hmm. I think the Center for Faith and Work, at least on a vocational side, I know I've kind of been long-winded here, but I think the Center for Faith and Work, at least on a vocational side, is trying to help our people see their lives in that mm-hmm. kind of a way. You know, you know, you talk about imaginary, as you as one of your summer, you talk about imagery or, or imaginary of God. So we talk about 
living out our faith, God wants us to be his image bearers. Jesus was the express image of the Father. And and we express the image of God when we work. Yes. How we work, the way we and I'm thinking even something as simple as I'm thinking about my wife Sandra, who's the president of our homeowners association, right? Uh, the way that she's served her community has been so powerful that people now pay us, pay us her to stay the president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And <laughs> and now that people are coming to her house to have prayer. So it, it wasn't because she had a Bible. It's because how she served the, the community and the garden and keeping our lawn and those kinds of things that was bearing the image of God, you know, mm. to those people. So it's really powerful. We mm. underestimate our presence mm. in the world. Yeah, I was going to add one thing to something you said earlier, Jason, about like going, sharing the hope that lies within us with others. If we are in the office and we're doing, let's say, shoddy work or less than like doing a good work, like we won't have a, the ability to be credible right, to right. share that. So they are tied together in how we do our work. Like, and I know you weren't saying that, but like, the way we work gives us the ability to at least a starting point of where we need to start to have good conversations with people. Well, and that's yeah. that's what you're yeah. mentioning, John, with, with, yeah. with the Homeowners Association. Yeah, you know, exactly. Little responsibility exactly. like that done, mm-hmm. what, and not that it's a little responsibility, but a, um, yeah. you know, it, it seems like, well, I'll be the, I'll volunteer <laughs> yeah. for this, you know, whatever. Yeah. But so, but taking a responsibility like that seriously can open the door to, to have this massive neighborhood yeah. kind of, ministry that the Lord seems to right. be giving your wife. So that's actually a great pivot mm-hmm. point to where we want to go as we kind of consider the life of Joseph. Um, on Sunday, I we, we talked, I mean, the, the title of the sermon was Usefulness. This whole series, if you haven't been listening, is about life in Babylon. How do we as Christians kind of live out our Christian life in exile? And one of the things that we looked at when we looked at the life of Joseph is we do useful things. We 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 seek to be useful. Somebody needs to be the chairman of the homeowners association. It doesn't seem like an act of worship, but actually it 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 can be, and it, and it is. Um, and when we do things that are actually useful and orderly and well done and excellent, God receives glory in that. We receive influence in that, and ultimately, I, I believe that the gospel can advance through that. And that's certainly what we saw with Joseph. I mean, Joseph is not going to any fancy job. I mean, his last stop was a fancy <laughs> job. But, you know, but he's a slave. He's going to prison. I mean, there's no honor in any of the places that Joseph is going. But he, the way that he goes there and the hard work that he displays when he gets there and the excellence that he shows when he gets there, um, God uses his faithfulness in that thing, his, his desire to be usefulness, his continued usefulness in those areas. Um, to ultimately, I think, give him great and enormous influence um, over all of Egypt and enormous influence for the people of God. And it was something that you wouldn't have guessed, right? I mean, you know, you never would have looked at Joseph. I mean, you, you know, you, you could we could probably go to Harvard today and say, well, that kid's going to be in Senate someday and that kid's <laughs> going to be in the Supreme Court someday or whatever, right? I mean, but you never would have picked Joseph. You know, he was the, if there's ever been a dark horse, I mean... <laughs> He was the the dark horse. I mean, he came there as a total exile, a total slave. Um, but he's but mm-hmm. but but and of course, all of this happened not just because he 
worked hard and did excellent work. God was obviously with him. God was orchestrating all of this. But the means of life that God used were Joseph's usefulness and faithfulness in the culture around him. And, you know, I think uh, kind of to your point earlier, John, you know, when you were talking about Sandra, it's, it's not that she like, you know, got the job as homeowners association because she's a Christian. She got opportunities as a Christian because she's the president of the homeowners association. Mm -hmm. And I think, this is kind of what you were saying too, Brad. Like this is where I think we as Christians can kind of turn this upside down and and misunderstand how God works in real time and space. I was thinking uh-huh. that people, when I, as I've talked to a lot of the members here at Christ Covenant, sometimes people feel that they're little, you know, that I just have this little job here. I'm doing this little thing there. I mean, think about how little Joseph was. I mean, talk about the, the epitome of a minority of my, I mean, he was he was so little in this huge, massive, uh, you know, kingdom, and yet God was with him. That's that's the key. So as mm-hmm. we're out here working in our various professions, we have to remember that God is with us. Yeah. And and, and you talked yeah. about that in your message. And had Joseph got a bad attitude, was angry. You know, I'm sure he had moments of that without sure. question. Yeah. But somehow he adjusted he himself did. and was content in the state that he was in. And and we saw the hand of God on this man's life. Yeah, I think there's this idea when we read scripture sometimes we read it and it looks like there's a very little time going by and all of a sudden <laughs> Joseph's like the number two guy. Yeah, it's just but, like three chapters. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. or, or just even right before it, like there's a few words, but he's the, he's number two. But like in those th- few words, he's in. he thought he was going to get out because he thought the cupbearer was going to, you know, tell him the great yeah. dream interpreter he was. He's going to get out of here. And he's, and he, whether the cupbearer intentionally forgot or just forgot or God caused him well, to and forget. I'm sure it's that like he two years. Well, and I'm sure his story. Yeah. Right. And really, he was yeah. going to get out because mm-hmm. he was unjust. He was yeah. unjustly put in. Yeah. yeah. Well, think if he had, had gotten out if he yeah. was unjustly yeah. put in. Think mm. if the cupbearer would yeah. have remembered. I yeah. mean, to your point about this is yeah. how we trust God's providence. Then he would have, I'm sure, in those two years, gone back to the land of Canaan, mm. gone to his dad, mm. Jacob. I'm sure his brothers still would have hated him. You know, like th- that kind of that story. And then they all die of famine, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then seven years later, they all die of, or nine years later, they yeah. all die of famine. Yeah. But, uh, that's kind of yeah. interesting, you know, yes. and so it's actually in God's yeah. perfect timing that he didn't get out when he did. And I'm sure the cupbearer, mm-hmm. I, my guess, Brad, mm-hmm. is the last thing on the cupbearer's mind when he's being restored to Pharaoh. Yeah is there's this Hebrew guy that's been unjustly put in prison. He's like, I am not yeah. I am not going to the Pharaoh complaint department. I've just been restored to yeah. power. And so, yeah. I mean, whether uh, whether or not he forgot or whatever, yeah. I think he just kind of didn't want to yeah. remember. But he did later. Well, like, but then Pharaoh had a need. Yeah. You know, Pharaoh yeah. was saying, hey, who can help me yeah. here? And he's like, well, actually. There's a guy. Oh, but, yeah. but I just think it's interesting even... how he needed, like God's, and somehow, we don't know why, but somehow he needed two more years to be prepared for that big role. Like maybe that was a humbling time and he had to still work on him. Like he was still being prepared to be as useful as he was going to be. Right? Well, and that, and that brings us to something you know? I want to talk about is the, we're talking about usefulness, but the like importance of humility yeah. yes. in usefulness. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, Joseph, I mean, even when he is given this great level of success, it doesn't ruin him. Um, he humbly serves for a long time. And what are, what are your thoughts on, 
I mean, uh, what are your thoughts well, yeah. on that? You know, no. Well, so I, I you know, I. <laughs> so in my early twenties, I was I had a really arrogant. Okay, and I was I was I, I walk I worked under this man, and honestly, he was just he was mean, he was inconsiderate, and it it was. And I asked the Lord, why would you put me under somebody like this? That's how my story was going to go. Right? <laughs> so, well, I want to hear yours too, Brad. <laughs> but, but, but honestly, the Lord told me, no, I, I, I put you here to, to build you and build your character. And what he dealt with, this man helped me to deal with my pride. But it was God using the situation. It wasn't that he was, this man was actually knew what he was doing. He didn't. But God used his his immaturity, his care, his bad character to actually deal with my pride. Exactly. And I yeah. was able to come to a place yeah. of humility through that. So God actually put me there, mm. you know, that's good. Well, I, I've been thinking about, you know, even this story, like there was no way at the end of this, like had Joseph gone to, you know, the Egyptian Harvard and had Joseph, you know, gotten the big job right out of college, like, it would have been very easy for him to start to believe the narrative of I am doing this. I am in control of my life. Oh, I am yeah. self-determined. Yes. There's no way that you could experience the life that Joseph experienced and believe I am doing this. I mean, he had to see that the hand of God mm. was at work in his mm. life. It, it was true humility. I mean, what what is true humility? It really begins with just a right fear of God, you know, yes. realizing who you are is created by God and created for God and created for God's purposes. And, and when you can see yourself as that, you'll never get too puffed up. But at the same time, you'll never lose confidence. I mean, you 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 won't think too little of yourself because you realize I'm made by God. I'm made for God. God has purposes in my life. God has sent me into exile for a reason. And we see that throughout the life of Joseph. He has this enormous poise, right? He's, he's not full of himself, but at the same time, he's also not acting, you know, he's not a subservient to everybody that asks anything of him. He mm. he He serves the Lord. And you know what do you do when you have real power? You know he he had real power once he got in that role, right? And he could have done a lot of things. He could have abused fact. it. In fact, they were concerned after after the death of their father. He's probably going to get us. <laughs> and, and Joseph yeah. says no, and he wept. No, God sent me to save lives. So his perspective on their evil really uh, is amazing. And, and and again, how are we operating mm. in 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 the world? Yeah. You know, what, what's our what's our attitude? How do we see do we see things through a God lens? Right. Or are we looking at things through? Yeah, things? it's interesting how Joseph in all those situations that we see him in the low points. Like, what did he do with that? He just started working. Seems like he started working real hard with his <laughs> gifts that he he had. Obviously, God gave him these some natural abilities that other people maybe didn't have. But he didn't just complain or he wasn't acting bitter. God has seen how somehow removed. Maybe the bitterness from his earlier family. Matter of fact, didn't he name what was the the name at the end? Manasseh. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, named Ephraim, one of his kids to take away forget. the bitterness or took God away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so somehow he was he he just got to work, and I think that's sometimes what we need to realize in our day and age. I was just thinking like technology. If we're at a low point in our career or whatever, we we can look around and see what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like LinkedIn's a great tool, but man, you yeah. can look at that and see yeah. these guys I went to college where if they're just, you know, spiking the football every month and I'm kind of in this, you know, so we just need, sometimes we just need to learn how to uh, bloom kind of where we're at. Like, to be fair, how do we just work at, at least right now? God has me here. How do I, how do I do that? How do I work hard? 
faithful. and be faithful where I'm at. You know, well, and that's, and, that's and what I had to learn. Yeah, I think there's some good yeah. stuff there. I mean, mm-hmm. I think number one, mm-hmm. one of the things we we talked about in terms of faithfulness is, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want anybody to get the impression mm-hmm. yeah. from the sermon that as long as you are really faithful or as mm-hmm. long as you do really trust God, you will be the CEO of a major yeah. fast food corporation or something, or right. you will be number two in Egypt. Uh, I mean, obviously Joseph's faithful. I mentioned mm-hmm. Truett Cathy in the sermon. True Cathy was faithful and he was faithful his whole life. And, and obviously he was enormously successful. And God did, I would say, increase his influence. But I really do believe that the principle applies, you know, no matter where you're planted, that as you are faithful, God increases your influence. Now, it may not become a wide influence. You may not become super famous. It may become a very deep influence. You know, being faithful in the stewardship, for example, of taking my kids to school. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. That's not going to give me a wide stewardship or that's not going to give me a wide influence. In fact, it might, you know, narrow my influence, right? I mean, being a good dad, I mean, just as I'll just use that as an example. Mm. Um, I mean, I have friends that I think, frankly, uh, neglect their uh, families a little bit. Um, but, you know, they're always like writing a book or they're always blogging or they're always doing something that maybe a thousand eyes will read, but they're never like, hanging out with their kids. They're never coaching mm-hmm. a kid's sport. They're never, I mean, and, and I'll even say like, don't you think you should do some of that? And they'll say, well, you know, I, you know, I've got all this other stuff going on, you know, and, and, and it seems like, okay, the trade, you always trade width or you always trade depth for width. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't think that is what we see in scripture. Right. I think like as you're faithful, your influence will increase, but a lot of times that's just a, you get a deeper influence over, a narrower scope than a wider influence over, um, you know, over a broader scope. And, and I, <clears throat> I think that we make that bad trade a lot of times in today's day and age mm-hmm. that it's like, man, if I could just have, you know, a thousand people like this tweet and have a very, very small impression <laughs> on a wide group of people, that's way better than, you know, <laughs> having a meaningful interaction with one human being. And I think in some some cases, I'm not saying that wide influence is not important, not is not anything, but we we make the wrong trade there. So faithfulness not to get width, not to get fame, not to get acclaim, not to get high position necessarily, but faithfulness to do the right thing before God. And he mm-hmm. has this way of increasing our influence, even if it's just a deeper influence with just one person. That's a good word. The, the chariot of fire guy that that movie Abraham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He or made the statement that when I run, I feel God's yeah. pleasure. And so what that says to me is I find joy in what I do. Period. Not because I'm seeking certain outcomes or I'm putting points on the board like you said a couple of weeks ago, but I'm just finding pleasure mm-hmm. in and planning joy in doing what God has assigned me to do in front of me right here. This is it. And and you can see that in Joseph. I mean, he had these different roles in Potiphar's house and in prison. You know, he evidently found joy in what he was doing. And mm. and that's why they noticed that it was interesting. It wasn't Christians that noticed that God was with mm. them. Mm-hmm. The Bible says mm-hmm. the, these are people that are not in God. God was with him. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty powerful. People recognize there's something yeah. special. Yeah. Something they may not know what to what to call it. But it's something about this person, and and it's because he right. was walking with God, and 
He had his rhythms, you know, he was building that relationship with Christ. He, he forgave when he had the opportunity to. He kept his right heart, right. right attitude. He was a worshiper, and people recognized that. Mm. Yeah. I think I've seen that, you know, sometimes it's as little in a workplace environment as being the person who doesn't always say, I just can't wait till Friday. Now, like, like the people that they're, all they're doing is working for the weekend. Like, and, and I, I was like that, you know, but being the person that actually shows that there's like, there's goodness in the work and itself. And, um, you know, for, it took me a while to, to kind of realize that. And I think, once, once you know you're doing your work and you can, like you say, feel God's pleasure, because you know that this is something that God is desiring, like, like a, a healthy workplace or, you know, fair treatment of your people, you know, and growing and developing them. And just the basic things that you do in a, in a corporate or, you know, in a workplace environment, if you're doing that versus have it all on yourself and like saying all the right things, ignoring your people because you're trying to look good for everybody above you which is how I lived many years is just something about there's more satisfaction out of the work. Cause you can see that you're, yeah. that God is with you. You know what I mean? We're there's joy in, in that, the, the, you know, the working in the city of man with the city of God. Ethic, That's where I was going with that. That's right. And, and I think that really is the key. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, John and Brad, hmm. Eric little, I think actually that's kind of, you can, um, so, you know, Eric little said, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Harold Abraham said, I run to justify my existence. And so, you know, I've I have so many seconds to justify my right, existence. Right, right. I've got 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. And so one is I run because I feel God's pleasure. One is I run to justify my existence. And and I think mm -hmm. like that that is it. I mean, you know, Chariots of Fire sums it up right there. Do you mm -hmm. do you run because you want to please God and you feel in the pleasure of God and you realize God's made you in a certain way and he's given you certain talents and you're exercising those certain talents or do you run or work or whatever it is you're doing to justify your existence mm -hmm. to 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 gain an identity yeah. and and that's really the point of this whole series like I want people to realize if you're in Christ if the eternal God of this universe has loved you in such a profound way that he has sent his righteous son who lived out perfect righteousness mm -hmm. And rather than reject us in our sin, has taken on our record of sin. I mean, how radical is the grace of God that Jesus would take on our record of sin in exchange for his righteousness? Mm -hmm. And if God has given you the righteousness of Christ, a record of the righteousness of Christ, and God has called you in that righteousness to be his son or to be his daughter, and God has called you to eternal fellowship with himself in an eternal city, if that has happened in your life, if, if, then you are a citizen of the eternal, unshakable city of God. And, and if you can really live into that, then you can move into this world, the city of man, not having to run to justify your existence, mm. right? But to run to feel God's pleasure. And right. so if you run really fast, great, to God be the glory. If you run slow, well, to God be the glory, you know, I, I, am, I am living not for my narrative, but for a bigger story here. And I think that's really such the key. Um, and that's where usefulness doesn't trip you up. I mean, usefulness can kind of feel a little self-helpy, a little, well, it's not usefulness for the sake of your own aggrandizement. No, it's, it's, it's usefulness because that's what God made you He's calling you to, you to be useful for his purpose. Right. That and, is, and, yeah. and, and it's part of your worship. Mm -hmm. It's part right. of your worship of him. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I was thinking, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to say, uh, 
You know, never underestimate the power of the kingdom of God, of what that really brings. Because mm-hmm. we talk about the city of God, we're talking about the kingdom, right? So I was, I was, I was sharing, I was teaching a, a, a lady this one time about her, her presence in the workplace and what it meant. And she started walking in that, that when you come into this environment, you bring the peace of God into that environment. Mm-hmm. And she ended up having people come into her office to experience peace. Mm. They would want to come and sit oh, in her office. That's cool. Just because it was something about her office and her space that was peaceful. And they were going through so many problems. She saw so many people begin to come to Christ because wow. of how she lived in yeah. her office, in That's her workspace. And, and don't underestimate that. You, Jesus said, when you come into a house, let your peace go yeah. into it. So the yeah. peace of God the righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is what the kingdom is. And to be in yeah. the city of God is to bring God's kingdom right here on earth. Yeah, so the, you know, you think there's this great little prayer book. You guys have seen that prayer book, Every Moment Holy. There's yeah, a yeah, prayer about yeah. being a good employee and a good manager in there. And one of them's, one of the prayers to God is, may my presence here suggest your presence Ooh. here. That's mm-hmm. exactly kind of what you were saying. Yeah. It brought, I, brought, I pray that a lot. That was, it made me think of that when you said that. But, yeah. but we don't good think word. how powerful that really is. Yeah. But it's extremely powerful. I was working out a, at a gym uh, and just going there for, you know, a, a number of years. And I had the general manager come over after about three. So I've been watching you. Like, that's kind of creepy. But he said, I've been watching for three years. Well, John, and, I mean, with the physique <laughs> and athletic ability like you have, it's obvious that he was on a stair step. But he said, I've been watching you and your wife because we came together. <laughs> and he ended up coming to Christ wanting us to disciple he and his wife. They both came to Christ. They were discipled. Now, 25 years later, you know, their kids and their, a whole generation because we were working out at a gym. That's so awesome. it, it's just, that's that's, that's awesome. what we're talking about. Well, and I, I often think about just the, the, I guess, this idea of Jesus, the temple being torn down and Jesus rebuilding it and what he is rebuilding is a living temple, mm. right? And we are the stones of that temple. And what is the temple? The temple is the place where the presence of God meets the presence of earth, you know, mm. where heaven and earth mm. meet. And this is exactly what you're talking about. The, it, you know, a little piece of the temple came into that gym. A little piece of the temple is in your workplace. Um, if people were actually to go to the temple, it would be a sacred moment for them. Mm. But God's plan is know that the temple wouldn't just be defined into this spatial area, but it's a living temple that can literally go to all corners of the world. Mm. When in the story does Joseph become a success? I think this is an important thing to think about. Mm. When, when in the story is Joseph actually successful? I would say the moment he begins to work with God's presence in his life. I think he's successful then. So that's in Potiphar's house, mm-hmm. in the prison. And I think I think as he worked and as they loved God in his work, I think that's when he yeah. was successful. I'm trying to recall what, I mean, visibly in scripture, when, when's the first time he says, he mentions God as he's being tempted or in the in a bad situation? Is, yeah. it, is, it, in, is it when... That was Potiphar's, the, yeah, wife, Potiphar's wife. Yeah, when he was, says, I, I, "How can I do this and sin against God?" Against right? God, yeah. Right, yeah. So at summer, I think that's at the near, near the beginning. He's well, the walking Lord, with I mean, the Lord. He was saying the Lord was with him. Yeah, I mean, that's I, right. And that's I think right. you can read it that he has fellowship yeah. with the Lord. It's the beginning of chapter thirty-nine. Yeah, I think that. Um, mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people read this story and it's like, 
Oh, Joseph became a success when he got to be second in charge over all yeah. of Egypt. And if you read it that way, you're reading the story with a city of man mentality. The city of man would have said, yes, at that point, Joseph became very successful. But Joseph knew in the city of God, in, in the city of God, that, 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 to your point, like he, he became successful when he, when he walked in fellowship with his, his Lord. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter whether he was in the prison or whether his, his, his station changed in the city of man. Mm. But his station never changed in the city of God. Mm. That's really good. Well, guys, I really appreciate y'all's work. Uh, There's a lot more to be said just about faith and work and what it means to to live out faith in a workplace. Um, John, I mean, I guess I'm going to put you as the point man here. If somebody's like, I'd like to think more about how do I live my faith out in the workplace? How How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, John Dot Posey at ChristCovenant.com. And that's P O S E Y. E Y. R 404 914 1564. Or you can set an appointment. Meet.johnposey.org. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think you got it, guys. You got his number, you got his email. You got you can just go straight and set an appointment. That that's that's pretty strong. I do want to say this. Yeah, please. Uh, I, I'm so I'm so excited to be a part of this ministry, and I really appreciate, Jason, the way the Lord has used you and the, and the, and the elders in the church here to create space for, for the people of God to live out their faith every day. And just the way that we are setting the table for this, I, I, this is a great place to be. So, Well, the best is yet to come. Yeah. Brad, so grateful for all your investment in this part of our ministry. and. Oh and just our church in general. For Brad Smith and John Posey, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text pastor line at 404-465-1737. And once again, If you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.